Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. It's just me, actually. Uh, it's Andrew Johnson. Uh, I'm an associate pastor here in Houston, Texas. Matt Till, unfortunately, is unable to join us due to a uh, conflict of schedule. Uh, our resident ephesiologist, Michael, he is out and abroad um, educating people in, in Jesus and today. Thankfully, you aren't just stuck with me. Uh, we are joined again by Brad Watson. Uh, Brad is the pastor of Soma Culver City. And frankly, Brad, I don't want to tell of all the wonderful things about you. Uh, inform everybody listening uh, about who you are and uh, what you get to do out in Southern California. That's great. So I, I can list off all the things. Oh, literally all the things. You yeah, can make yourself as shiny and wonderful as possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I'm most of my life, uh, the majority of my purpose might be I'm married uh, and I have three kids and we live in, yeah, Culver City is a, an unabsorbed uh, part of Los Angeles. So it's, it's kind of like the Vatican City in Rome, if you've ever been there. And uh, the reason Culver City is that way is so the movie industry people can do whatever they want, like explode things on set and cause people to, you know, yeah, stop traffic and everything for their movies. And so that's what unincorporated LA looks like. And that's Culver City. Uh, it's about five miles from downtown, five miles from the ocean. And I get a pastor church of people there and it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, man. Every time I get to talk with you and I just hear even those that those little snippets, it's like, man, Brad gets to have a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> that five miles from the beach thing, it gets me every time. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. it's a regular part of your life, isn't it? It It is a regular part of my life. Yeah. So as you can see in my screen, I've got uh, stand up paddle boards. So I try to go out once a week and uh, just stand up and paddle out in the ocean and see dolphins and seals uh, and beautiful fish underneath me. And it's pretty great. Yeah. That all year round. This is wonderful. <laughs> uh, I will choose to not get jealous. Houston has uh, thick air. Okay. Um, I can't, I can't <laughs> battle it. It's good. Uh, yeah, love Houston yeah. and love to get to hear about the things that you um, are a part of now. Um, you and I haven't actually gotten to catch up in a while. Uh, so how, how is your family doing and how would you generally say is life for you all in LA? Yeah, my, my family's doing great, uh, especially compared to years past. So we have mm. all of our kids are in school uh, in person, we actually we switched to a private school in the middle uh, or at the beginning of this year. Uh, just kind of got tired of if you follow the news and the public school system in Los Angeles makes a lot of national headlines, I think, around shutdowns and restarts and those sorts of mm -hmm. things. And 
um, we're really thankful that we're able to get a good scholarship and get our kids into a, a school that has remained open the, the whole time and a uh, small, great environment for our kids to, to grow and learn. And um, my kids get to do a lot of soccer and we spend a lot of time on soccer fields, uh, hanging out with other people. And my wife is amazing. She uh, is the director for Brazil uh, for the Bible Project. So she works for the Bible Project, those YouTube videos about uh, the oh, Bible. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. And she oversees the entire uh, Brazilian market, which includes the production of content and marketing and promotion. And she she's pretty amazing. So she, she yeah. Yeah, she runs a lot of good stuff down there. So that's incredible. That's so fun to hear. Side note, I had a friend text me out of the blue and was just like, hey, you know, like uh, the Bible Project guys, like Tim Mackey is starting this on free online course about the Hebrew Bible and I'm going through it. Do you want to go through it? And it was like literally last minute. And I was like, I, I yeah. can't do it, but here's what we're going to do. You go through it and let me ride on your <laughs> coattails and you just give me everything you've learned in, in Cliff Notes version and then we'll both be edified. He laughed. And he appreciated that. So, That'd be, yeah. Well, I Tim was my professor in seminary, and so right when I got done spending, you know, like fifty thousand dollars getting an education and all this work, they they started making these videos that are essentially the exact same thing, but in five minute clips. So I was like, oh, that's great. I and free. Just waited. And free, yeah, completely free. So. I mean, it was a little different, but not really. And now the courses and the app and everything, it's like, oh, no, this is this is exactly my whole Hebrew he, Hebrew Bible experience at seminary. So it's, Well, it's there you go. Well. There is no better Bible Project plug that we could give than somebody who suffered through the Bible Project 1.0 uh, when it yeah. was just in <laughs> seminary classrooms at Western, yeah. right? At Western, yeah. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, yeah. it's... I'm. I'm really happy to see you. I'm glad that uh, we get to catch up. And I am really thankful that you all are doing well. Um, your face, for those, obviously, this is a podcast, so I'm only seeing you and you're seeing me, and I don't think a whole <laughs> lot of other people are going to see this. But you look rested. You look well. You don't look like you are overcome with stress or about to kind of break due to a lot of what a lot of people are dealing with is that that rolling COVID stress. Um Mm-hmm. and that changes. Like you said, like thanks, some days are good, some days are not, and mm-hmm. society all around us goes into kind of a freak out based on levels. Um, I did want to see just how, okay, so this is more of a, a general question, um, but how do you feel the general, again, not just because newspapers or Twitter tells us something mm-hmm. as such like how is life on the ground in la uh we're recording this early february so how is life uh there how do people feel in regards to life in this era of the covid thing the covid thing yeah it it definitely varies in parts of the city so la is a, a city without really has multiple downtowns, multiple urban centers, and each of those places has some different 
cultural realities, even like complete demographic shifts. And so part of that is, um, it's kind of like our country too. So like the people who are super progressive and liberal and like buy in and chew up and devour all of that stuff. It, it looks like what you hear in the news. So Culver city is one of those pockets, uh, a very, you know, highly educated liberal progressive people. And so they're just like doubling, tripling down on restrictions and, um, yeah. And in the face of everything and shaming people for not following the rules and, uh, it might be like communist restaurant. I'm not sure, but never, never been there. Uh, I, I, was, I would say you only know your reality. <laughs> I only know my reality, but it was, so there's, there is that, um, where it still feels a little, just kind of fear, you know, based and people live in a ton of fear and anxiety around just getting, getting COVID, um, and, and getting a disease and then there's other pockets probably the vast majority of la feels like life is normal uh at least for us a, a new normal where you have to put a mask on to go to the grocery store and you do have to show your vaccine card to eat inside at a restaurant but again to, to tout la's beauty uh nobody really wants to sit inside in a restaurant anyway the weather's too good so it's it it hardly becomes a problem like um and yeah, and a lot of times they don't even really look. You just show them their phone, and they trust that you got vaccinated. That kind of that kind of vibe. Uh, so it's nice. a lot of kind of like if you grew up in a fundamentalist, legalistic house, uh, it's a lot like that, where there's a bunch of rules, but a bunch of ways that people get out from doing the rules, and a bunch of like, oh, it's just too tiring to follow all the rules all the time. So we're just gonna kind of go around it, you know, like. Yeah, TV is wrong, but ER is educational. So let's watch ER. And mm. Frasier is a nice guy. So let's watch Frasier. You know, it's like you do that. Like, if yeah. you grew up in that kind of league. Justification. Like, we're not going to do cards. We're going to do dominoes. You know, you do, you just right. kind of, and none of it makes sense after a while. Uh, that's kind of where LA is, you know, without making this a Joe Rogan podcast. But yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, we're still on Spotify. We don't want to get kicked off, Brad. Uh, so. I don't want to do misinformation, but yeah. But most people so, are just over it, you know? So that's just how it is. So how do you, how do you pastor? And I would kind of even more say, how do you disciple well in, uh, in the midst of everybody's feelings in the midst of all that's around you like how have you seen mm. that change uh in this what, last two years mm. yeah i think there's a lot that's that's been different and there's a lot that we you know are, aren't going to really feel for a long time i've i've kind of gotten into a lot of world war ii like era history books and things around how it wasn't until the 60s that we really knew how World War II changed us um, as a society, how the depression and a global war kind of transformed a, a generation and changed how, and, and even saw some of the side effects around PTSD and, and those sorts of things. But in the midst of it, I think it's hard to know, you know, what will come in people's hearts, but it has changed uh, the posture towards I think calling people to the vision of the kingdom, the vision of Jesus has to be 
regularly reminded before we talk about what to do. So people are like the stress of figuring out life day to day and even the stress of scheduling things and uh, planning and, uh, you know, that's kind of gone away. We say a lot more like, oh, God willing, or we'll see. We'll see if that really happens. And I think that's where people's hearts are, even in their work environments constantly. Uh, it's, it's always changing and, uh, and, and what they get to do and what they get to plan. And, um, so a lot of grace, a lot of patience for people, a lot of calling people to the greater hope that the kingdom of God is coming, is advancing, uh, despite circumstances. Um, that, that's kind of been a lot that we've pressed into, uh, as well as just zooming back. And I think these are great times where it's just so obvious, uh, our own personal neediness and then the neediness of our city around us. And, and if I, I, you know, I, I might not read the gospels correctly, but I, the way I read the gospels is it seems like Jesus's exclusion is just of the people who say they don't need him. Like that, that's where the, where that's the line that he draws in the sand is, Oh, you don't need, you don't need this renewal. You don't need the gospel. You're all good on your own. Oh, okay. Then like, that's, the kingdom's just for people who have incredible neediness. Um, that's even something Wendell Berry writes. You know, it's like he's not astonished by the sinfulness of people; he's astonished by the neediness of people in the Gospels. And um, and I think mm-hmm. in LA we're kind of a city that, up until 2020, is not not very needy, and you definitely don't don't show that. I mean, I think that's Kobe's death was so hard because he represented all of us. He's like, I'm not a needy person. I, you know, I, I can accomplish anything. I can do anything. I can strive for anything. And, um, for us as a church and for us as a city, it's just brought in like, wow, we're not, we're not all good. You know, we're, we're not good in all of these ways. We're really desperate and needy for someone and something to rescue us. So that's what we try to press into and encourage even. Yeah. Do you, okay, this is tangential. I promise we'll get back to Mm -hmm. that. Actually, you said two things that I wanted to at least take note of. One, something you said actually sounded like the, uh, ah, I can't remember. It might be Mere Christianity or another of C.S. Lewis's books. And again, you start getting into the, is this theologically accurate? So don't press on it too hard. Uh, (laughs) But, um you know, hell is a place where the gates are locked from the inside mm, yeah. uh, where it's kind of that like, no, we, we don't need you. Like we're good. Mm-hmm. We're, right. we're where we are and where we want to be. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah. man, that actually stings uh, just to think about uh, for the people who are, I'm air quote, I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Secondly, on that on that note that you just said it just is too too poignant to not talk about was kobe's death is kobe's death in mm-hmm. la it is it kind of like the death of a savior like do people kind of talk about that and mm-hmm. uh mourn him in such a way that that is kind of how it feels yeah so I, I think, I mean, I know I'm talking it, to a Laker hard. fan, so that's real hard for yeah, you yeah. to be like, Oh, how do non-basketball <laughs> people actually process this? But right. I mean, Kobe had transcended basketball 
so oh, much. Absolutely. So much. Yeah, he um yeah, he was kind of it's it's really odd like even weeks after, even months even uh the anniversary of his death was just a few weeks ago and people were still walking around saying, you know, I guess I just feel like he's going to just appear, you know, and he's just going to be here again. Like that kind of transcendent hope. I mean, like like wow. a resurrection from the dead. And it's it's just really, it is really fascinating. I think he, you know, the elements of Jesus that he embodied for people's idolatry. Not he was he wasn't a really good person at all. So there, I'll say that as a Laker yeah. fan and everything. That, uh, man, I, I'm just so proud of you that you didn't gloss over that. I mean, that just shows so much growth for you as a man. Uh, I'm just I'm proud of yeah. you. Thanks, thanks. He's like James <laughs> Harden, uh, but he uh, the ways that he re- for the people and our adult, you know, like the the representation uh, piece of Jesus, like oh, he like represents all of us, and that was part of it. Like he he developed this relationship with the city that was oh, like he he gets up early, he like plugs away because the mass, vast majority of people in LA. Uh, are not going to movie studios or executive suites, just like any, like the the majority are working tough, hard, physical jobs um, and have to drive hours to do it and in the middle of the night or morning, but it's still dark. And, and he, he embodied that, uh, he represented that, but then also excelled in it too. So he embodied all the hopes of achievement and accomplishment of winning um, and it's, it's just really, yeah, it's just kind of, kind of fascinating. Uh, the, the Mamba mentality is really the LA mentality that he just kind of adopted and then lived out. Uh, and some people would say lived out perfectly. So there's that, that piece mm-hmm. of it too. Um, and then, yeah, just really, really fascinating individual. So, and then, yeah, his death is mourned like, the morning of a sa- like oh if he if he can die maybe could we can all like if he can't achieve that kind of transcendent eternal kind of bliss um we can't we can't either can we you know um hmm. uh, where does this hustle end or some of those right kind of right like that's what questions. i yeah yeah like the the mamba mentality Gosh, this is going to sound awful. So please, if it, I know this is going to be crass, but it's kind of like, what? Where did that Mamba mentality get him? It yeah. got him really far, and then it got him where it gets all of us, right? So I'm not going to be right. crass or crude. Like it mm-hmm. still led to death, right? It it didn't right. lead to something not death. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Absolutely. It, yeah, and it, you know, and I think too, people. Because yeah, his history is is pretty dark. Uh, like that, it is. Right. It's really dark. Um, and and people acknowledge that, except they they believe that he was in the process of atoning for that in his second life. You know, like he had, like he changed his number. He didn't do those bad things anymore. He had girls. He was raising them really good. Uh, so therefore, that you know that atones for all the wrong that was done because he became a really good girl dad and, you know, activist for, for female sports. And, and that really, 
gets people to, except, oh, he wasn't able to finish that, that course of atoning for all the wrong. Uh, and so it's, it's really, I, I think that was another hard piece for people of, oh, like, I thought I could just flip a switch halfway through my life, and then you know, I can do through morality or some good work, I can compensate for all the for all the junk that I've done. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was the wake up call for people as well. So th- yeah, Kobe is, Kobe's fascinating. I, and that it, yeah, Kobe's death. And then six weeks later, COVID, uh, lockdowns began is just a, it's a, it's a very interesting marker for people. I guess I'll just say it that way. Yeah, man. It's it's fascinating the way that you were describing that Kobe trying to atone for mm-hmm. um, the sins of his past and mm-hmm. trying to have his own second life or a second mm-hmm. chance born out on hard work, hustle, and yeah. air quote the right things. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that is actually the quintessential description of humanism. And right. like, you can do it, right? So if you've messed mm-hmm. up, it's fine. You can make this right through mm-hmm. individual human effort because the beauty of humanity can continue to aspire to greater and more good for others. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't need this God thing. You can cut that out. Yeah, uh, totally. you, can have, you can have the hope of christ without christ Mm -hmm. you can have uh the second coming um but you don't need jesus and Mm -hmm. uh that's really great until it is very clearly not Mm -hmm. and the reality of death or frailty or brokenness uh mental issues Mm -hmm. the list goes on and on and on um yeah it's sad super sad (laughs) that's horribly sad okay i would Mm -hmm. love to ask more questions on this but the whole reason i wanted to catch up with you (laughs) is because um you had a series of tweets uh at the beginning of this year and it took me uh you grabbed my attention so um i will read i will read them as they are uh on january 4th one brad a watson Uh, said, one of the more interesting things I hear about these days is Christians not returning to church services in the Bible Belt. And that would be kind of the South up through the Midwest. Uh, For those listening, that's me. Um, So people not returning to church services in the Bible Belt since the COVID lockdowns nearly two years ago. I, again, Brad speaking here, I'm sure my experience is not everyone's. However, in L.A., where our church was not able to meet in person for worship for 14 months, nearly everyone who still lives here returned enthusiastically. And you ask, why do you think that is? In places where church is cultural, a six weeks hiatus resulted in people never returning. So I thought, oh, I cannot wait to get Brad on to talk about this <laughs> idea, this concept. Um, what are again this this is returning to at least the topic that we touched on but in a different way how do you feel 
the church, the people of God in LA, um, how have you seen them respond uh, to the COVID lockdowns, the uh, mm-hmm. declaration that you cannot gather uh, for worship in the mm-hmm. ways that you once did? Um, I guess, how, how has that impacted you? It's probably too broad of a question. How, how have you seen discipleship specifically change or the ways that you do discipleship due to COVID mm. in LA? We'll go there. Yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah, even across the board. So uh, many different types of churches, even LA in LA, um, like similar experience to mine of like the people who still live here came back, you know, enthusiastically. But I think what's fascinating is that through the, the pandemic lockdown phase, uh, discipleship became so much more relational, so much more meeting people in their needs. Uh, it wasn't worth it to get on a Zoom link or meet in someone's backyard with three or four people and pretend that your life was all good. Like it wasn't worth it to do that anymore, um, to, to kind of cling to, to hope. And so, and it was a long, um, and I've even heard this from yeah, people in Tokyo and Japan, like, very similar thing of it created an earnestness um, towards uh, towards Christian community to to live to to focus to press into uh, the you know relationships with other people even as you know one of the things that it caused you know the the rules where we had to get in smaller pods like smaller groups of people you couldn't have like a a community meeting of 20 adults it had to be like four or six you know and just the depth of those relationships uh, was was really beautiful um but then also i think it there was throughout it just this deep longing more and more for um for a unified church in a place in a moment and so that just kind of grew throughout the pandemic as well uh with tons of hard things but then as you know process, you know, people's marriages being just stuck together and then a Christian community around them being like, no, you can't just bail on this marriage or whatnot. Hmm. Um, and, and I would say too, like a pretty important caveat, even to my tweets of those who still live here, uh, is right. Is exactly. Thing. So yeah, there were plenty. And this is like, you know, we had, yeah, like 40% of our church, like moved moved away. Uh, and that's a pretty common number around, you know, Christian churches in the city. Um, and a lot. Did they all move to Texas? I mean, are they all with me now? Texas. They're all in Texas or Colorado or Tennessee, uh, Arizona. A a lot was for like political, you know, like they listened to, you know, Ben Shapiro's podcast or whatever and decided, oh, we got to get out of this state, uh, because it's so bad. Oh wait! Did just, they actually say God forsaken? I mean, I think that's like the yeah, yeah, that the is accurate what, yeah. thing. God depending pers- on God. what your what your podcast yeah. input said, you started <laughs> applying God things forsaken. like that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but a lot did just move because it's you know uh, that time where you could say, oh, it's really not worth it to spend this much money to live here if I can't really live here. And so there there was a lot of, in our church most. I don't know if any really moved for political reasons. A lot was just, here's a new job opportunity. 
my kids can go to school, you know, it's a better, better mm-hmm. life out there kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our city's transient anyway. So I think what's what you, you know, in a normal cycle of years, you would have people move for career reasons and other people come into the church over those right. years. And, right. And didn't, didn't Which is, that. yeah. Right. That's a little different when you have a door and a location that's open and yeah. people who pop into a city and they're like, they go online. I mean, this is literally how we get people. Mm-hmm. A ton of people mm-hmm. is they're going on the interwebs. They're saying mm-hmm. church near me enter. Right? right. And then we pop up and right. I mean, there are literally people at our church that are like, well, you are the closest church and yeah. I can walk there. So that's why mm-hmm. I'm at your church and I found you online. Um, yeah not a bad thing but when you have a non-traditional i would say Mm -hmm. historically traditional uh (laughs) gathering right that it's changed uh i'd say maybe more modernly traditional church gathering space um that is different uh i that actually is my my question for you um like the way that you were describing some of that really intense healthy discipleship, you know, be creative, uh, gather with smaller and smaller groups. Uh, it almost also sounds like the downside of that could be the, the old Sunday school model that churches tried to move away from where it was, um, us four and no more, um, that, you know, this is our tight knit community and we don't have room for anybody else. Uh, how would you say that your church and then I would say the church in LA, obviously, uh, you don't run all of the church in LA. Um, <laughs> how have you seen them actually succeed in evangelism? How have you seen them succeed in bringing people who don't yet know Jesus into those communities of smaller groups of people that can be supported and cared for and, and shown the love of Christ and Christian community? Like since COVID? Yeah. Since COVID began. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, a lot has been through like people's loneliness. Uh, loneliness has become just so, so obvious, um, as the greatest need that people have. And so a lot has been just welcoming people into those spaces and and trying to be gingerly kind of cool and nice about it and winsome, like, Hey, like, there's actually a group of people that get together and you don't have to be alone, like, you know, to friends and parks or friends that we have even uh, through work and those sorts of things. And we have seen uh, a ton of people join our communities just through that, just like, Hey, there's actually a group that you could be part of that meets uh, and you don't even have to believe any of this stuff, but you won't be alone. Um, you know, we've seen people. Yeah. Yeah, we've had, and our church is not very big, so like 10 people in the last six months, you know, join our church and begin being part of our church coming uh, to faith through that kind of interaction where it's just, um, yeah, wanting to, to escape loneliness uh, and and escape the what people have done in their loneliness uh, through whatever mm-hmm. addictions or, or whatnot. Um, so I think that's, it's it's actually become before COVID it was like whole like series of challenging things of like, Oh, we got to like 
go get drinks with co-opters after work and then we got to like talk to them and like build these relationships really deep and profound and then during COVID it just became as simple as like hey like I know you're just like alone you know you and your family and like you don't need to be alone like you can come hang out like it was um it became that that simple I guess um Hmm. and I would say the the four and no more the we we have spent a ton of time talking about the mission of God that we get to participate in for even, yeah, going back to the, the fall of, of 2020, uh, because we knew that that would be a, a thing of like, Oh, we're just going to huddle up together and survive. Right. And, and there was a big survival moment, but kind of, yeah, as, as things have opened and changed, we just kept reminding people that the purpose and the mission of God and that this doesn't hinder it or even stop it, you know, and even talk about these great moments in history, I think as even as Christians, we look back and think, Oh, I guess church didn't happen in that period. I guess the movement of God didn't happen. Like it just stopped. It just stopped. There was this pause and we just fought world war two. You know, there was this pause and we, you know, did the 1980 Olympics or whatever. It's like, no, no, the, the church was moving and advancing through plagues and wars and centuries of wars. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's been that way for thousands of years. And just kind of reminding people of that or the the certainty of, of revival, the certainty of, of the kingdom, uh, that we aren't really underdogs. Um, like, I, yeah, I don't like that that language when people talk about like Jesus was an underdog. It's like, whatever, he's the king of the world. I don't know how yeah. to be an underdog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Underdog implies there's somebody over you. And... Right. That's better and stronger right. and mightier. Yeah. And so, so we really pressed into that. Um, and at the same time, because of people's COVID consciousness, you know, try to remind people of, Hey, like you have, siblings and parents that don't believe like you can just it doesn't matter where they live um it doesn't um you can just call and begin developing those kinds of relationships and bringing the gospel to bear on their daily lives um in the midst of of a chaotic crisis world um yeah so that's that's a lot how then through all that you just so wonderfully and aptly described, which is so encouraging, by the way. I mean, you know, we as leaders are like, how can we talk to people about the mission of God in such a way where they're going to actually tangibly see it? So it's mm-hmm. not like this thing that we're like, no, guys, there's this thing and you can't see it. And so I need you to kind of have a suspended belief. Uh, I need you to suspend your belief about all of the the happiness <laughs> and the and the uh, uh, the structures of your life that allow you to forget the mission of God. And I need you to pause on all that, and I need you to put the mission of God on over top of it. And now look at your life, and we look, we we keep trying to figure out ways to present that to people. And God says, you know, I have one. Um, mm. it'll be COVID. Not that God was. Uh, <laughs> you know, sending it down to smite all of us, but more along the lines Mm -hmm. of he is in his graciousness working through the situations that we find ourselves in to point us back to him, Mm -hmm. to draw us back into the mission that he has called us to. Um, How do you feel Mm -hmm. a coastal 
Christianity that isn't as cultural um, as, say, that mm. Bible belts is, um, what what benefits and what challenges have you seen to that coastal Christianity during the COVID era? Mm. Yeah, I think the, the benefits are, you know, the, the people that are part of your church want to be part of your church, you know, and there's no reason for them to be there except for they believe, they want to believe, uh, they want to grow in belief. There's, there's no, no other, and that's an easy group of people to lead and shepherd, I, I think. Uh, I think the challenges are, I mean, I, you know, I think about the challenges all the time. So this is a good conversation <laughs> to remind me about, oh, no, it's like, that's, it's actually like a really, really good thing. I mean, there's, uh, especially during the COVID era, um, all the state rules and county rules for being able to do church organizational things is all dependent on you owning a building. And so during COVID just, and public parks were off, like you couldn't find a place to meet. Uh, no churches could uh, because we don't have big buildings or whatnot, or even small buildings. It's like everyone was desperate for any kind of, any kind of building at all. Uh, I think that kind of infrastructure stuff that you get in the cultural Christian South or Midwest is those are those are nice perks, and I think in coastal you know churches uh, you don't have we didn't have big budgets before you know, and now it's like oh that was that was a big squeeze and yeah. <laughs> no budgets now, no budgets now exactly, and so which I know that that's you know really when I. I talk to people in the Midwest and the South, that's really what they're talking about is this is so, we don't know how to maintain our church because we don't have people giving to us anymore because nobody, people haven't come back since May, 2020. Um, and I think that, so I guess we're all in the same boat there during COVID, but uh, there are times where I look across and it's like, Oh, I, you know, if, if I was in Oklahoma, I'd probably have a, an office office, not a, not a garage, you know? Yeah. That'd be, a, that'd be a, dip. so it's all perks that affect me that I, that I get. Right. About. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I'll say, I'll say, um, just so that I'm not constantly grilling you with all the questions that flit across my mind. Um, <laughs> for somebody who is in the Bible belt, we in Houston, um, I would say our church is closed close to uh, back where we were pre-pandemic as far as Sunday morning attendance can be gauged, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and the involvement of people in our groups is actually higher right now than it was. Mm -hmm. And um, since then, actually, I don't know if it's COVID related, uh, we have, you know, what do you guys call your, well, what do you call your like one to two other people with you type groups? Uh, uh, we call them DNA groups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, that's right. I should have known that for y'all. Um, um, so we, we call ours mentor groups, um, but for whatever the term is, like those have steadily risen 
mm. like yeah. r- risen and multiplied. Um, yeah. Where people are both finding life and an encouragement to grow in Christ in those places. Mm. I think your, your comment, I, I will just nod my head uh, furiously. The people who were in are still mm. in, are very in. Mm-hmm. Um, the number of people who are on the fringes popping in occasionally, they're popping in less occasionally. And um, we don't have our own building per se, right? Mm -hmm. We rent space from a uh, recovery center, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. That's where we rent space from. And so, um, yeah, we we had a few months of hiatus where we couldn't, meet in that space because as a, as a recovery center, they actually were pretty keen on following all regulations and making sure Sure. that they weren't responsible for getting people sick. So um, ours was quite a few months. uh, But once we were able to start gathering in that space again, yeah, it took, it took a while uh, for, Mm -hmm. for people to come back. But um, I don't know. I think, I think we, we, maybe we are unique in the Bible belt. Mm. Um, but for the most part, most of our people are back. And That's some of the cool. people that didn't come back, are, like you said, actually, yes, people don't just come to us in Texas. They also leave us. Um, <laughs> we are not just the bucket that collects. So we've had people move away. Um, yeah. And, uh, but for the most part, people are back. And um, I will say, while people have absolutely, and maybe this is again, just my church context. Um, I think, I think people have desperately wanted the gathering of together again, right? They, mm-hmm. they want to be in community. Totally. They understand now, oh man, this can just yeah. go at any moment. Um, and they, they want to drink in that time together. Uh, that said, I'm not sure, and maybe this is my own pessimism, right? So if you're a part of Neartown Church, this is not an accusation against you, and I'm not frustrated, but um, I don't know if our church has, as a whole, has really grasped on to that mission of God, that, mm. um, that passionate outward look that because of who God is and what he has done in me, because of my identity mm. now in him, I am going to run headlong out into the world, chase my neighbors, yeah. uh, coworkers. I'm not saying they aren't doing that. I'm just, it's, uh, it's happening, but I don't think, mm. I think there's room to grow. Is that a safe thing to say? Right? Like, so I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I think there's, <laughs> there's still room to grow here. And, um, yeah, I'm excited by that, but I do talking with you and, and, kind of it resonates that there is still a very big difference Mm. between that cultural Christianity of you were raised in it and you're expected to do it. Mm. And then the coastal Christianity, which is this is not a part of my childhood. This is not a part Mm. of what society expects me to be. Sunday morning Mm -hmm. is just as good of a time as any to go to the class, to go to the beach, to go do my job or have fun and know why would I be expected to be at church? Like, I think that's actually starting to become more true. Uh, And then maybe Mm. that's a generational thing, but, um, 
I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that it seems like like the challenges with like particularly like the evangelism component of mission here is the fear of public uh, you know scrutiny and rebuke and shame like public mm -hmm. like if you know don't bring that god stuff in here kind of thing uh, and then it seems like in you know the bible belt I think there's a big hindrance of like, well, this, these people already get it. I mean, it's called the Bible belt, you know, and they call it that way. They call it the Bible belt, not just in church. Like that's not insider language. That's, yeah, it's, that's, that's a societal thing. Yeah. Sociological so, thing is what I meant to say. Anthropological. Right, there's so, some probably better term, like I'll, a real smart person would know it right off instead yeah. of guessing all of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, they use it in all the ways, right? Like the, the politically, sociologically, academically, they're like, yeah, Bible Belt. Um, I think there it's like, there's got to be this assumption that everybody already knows this stuff, right? So why do I have to do it um, as like a defeater to, to sharing the gospel? Um, you might not feel that, that angst of these people don't have it. Um, and, and need it, you know? And I think there was a big component of that for our church before COVID. Like these people's lives seem good. They seem great. Like, do we don't need to mess them up with, you know, our religion? Uh, that was- Yeah, like what do we have to theater. offer them? Yeah, they're good people. And then you're like, oh no, like, and, and Christians struggled, you know, deeply during COVID. I struggled, so, but it's the, I think, what we saw here is just the, the gap and the difference in the struggle. Um, big difference in struggling with Christ and then struggling without Christ, struggling with Christian community, struggling on your own. And so I think that, that definitely created an awareness in people of the power of the gospel to transform uh, because you had a whole city experiencing the same challenges at the same time, uh, but some people with hope and resurrection and some people without, you know, some people with, yeah, uh, a God who is with us and then people with, there is no God. And so that, that kind of show exposed for, for us and including myself, like, Oh, like the gospel is really needed. Like <laughs> it's, it, it makes, Oh, so it isn't it just, yeah, it, it's good. This is really good. Oh, it's not just a, Oh, like this is a thing to do. And, you know, even, you know, I think following, I don't remember when it was, and I'd never read the book, so now I'm going to be one of those people. But before, right before COVID, like the months leading up to it, there was a lot of talk about, you know, becoming this new, like the church in the future in this progressive world needs to be kind of huddled and monastic and just like separate from culture. And we just need to like get out and just circle the wagons. Um, and it's like, oh, COVID, I'm glad COVID came because it like, no, that's like not the deal. Like at least in my right. opinion. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, and I think you're, are you referring to the Benedictine? There uh, it is. Yeah. Thing. There it is. Yeah. 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 Um, I didn't read it either. Uh, I saw <laughs> the idea. This isn't always my strong suit. Sometimes I hear an idea and I'm like, hmm. Could I think some really good thoughts by reading with something I disagree? I absolutely yeah. could. I don't want to. Yeah. So yeah. I got. <laughs> so you did not. <laughs> I, I read your blurb. So I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm not going to read that one. 
Um, I yeah. do think I, I was just talking about this with my wife and, um, so uh, you don't know this on our previous recording, I was mentioning that I was going to preach a sermon on, uh, John 13, uh, 34 and 35, where Jesus says, love one another, um, yeah. a new command I give you love one another, um, as I have loved you. So love one another, um, mm. so that everyone will know that you are my disciple love one another. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. I was supposed to preach that this past week. I actually spent the, uh, I spent 12 solid hours of vomiting, uh, mm. a, a horrible stomach bug went around. And for the first time in my professional career, I had to call my other pastor and say, I can't preach and I need you to, mm-hmm. so he had, he had a day and a half heads up. Nice. Um, that's pretty good. Which, heads up. Uh, God bless him. Um, Thank you, Russell. So anyway, so now this Sunday, I am actually preaching on this passage. It has been marinating now for weeks, um, and I'm very excited, but there is that aspect of Jesus' command, not just not just the command to love one another. It's that specific qualifier. Uh, everyone, everywhere, you know, the, the Greek word panta, <laughs> all. Mm. All mm-hmm. will know that you are my disciples if you mm-hmm. love one another. And man, this season, this era has given us this opportunity to not mm-hmm. say they will you they will know you're my disciples because of the political party you support. No. Mm-hmm. They will know you're my disciples because of how loudly you preach at me or mm-hmm. tell me how wrong I am. Nope. Uh they will know that you are a Christian, that you follow me because you love the other people in this church, my church, mm-hmm. my people, because of your overwhelming love for me. And everything that I am hearing you talk about uh, of what the church has been able to show in LA mm-hmm. is born out of that truth. People will legitimately know that you are my disciples and that you have hope in me because of how well you love one another. And they will see mm-hmm. that we, that people who don't have Jesus don't do that. There is a difference. There is yeah. a vast difference. It's not just a collection of good people. Uh, it's not about morals. It is truly a change from the inside out because we are rooted in him. It's born out and how well we love one another. Um, yeah. And it's not done. Right, like like that that call is not done. We haven't said we don't get to say checkbox. We've done that, you know. Right. We're good. Uh, now we can go Probably. back to yelling at other people and telling them they're wrong. Um, <laughs> we have a chance still. The mission of God moves yeah. forward, and one of the best ways that we can do that is loving one another. Um, dang. Um, mm. I I look forward to having you on again because I want to take a longer time to poke on the idea that you said that it's going to take it took uh culture about 20 25 years to realize the impact of world war ii that we are going mm. to realize uh due to covid um how long is it going to take because i have in it uh, a thought from chuck klosterman on his new book mm. the 90s which i hope to get and read soon that he essentially his 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 uh, idea was that the '90s are our last decade, mm. and that it's the it's going to be the last ten year mark where 
society is going to continue to shape and move and change so quickly that 10 years is going to be able to be truncated into eight and then to five Mm -hmm. and that things are going to keep changing so fast. So then the question that we will ponder the next time we gather is, Mm. um, will we begin to see the effects of COVID quicker as far as Mm. generationally speaking, societally speaking, Mm. and how will the church respond uh, to that? So that's, that's, that's just fodder for us to chew on. So uh, we'll come back to that. So uh, Brad, thank you for being our guest today. Um, I am so excited that you were uh, able to just sit and chat with me. And uh, we, if anybody wants to get at you or tweet you or anything, where can they reach you? Yeah. uh, Twitter, uh, Brad, a Watson is my handle. And that's probably the the easiest way. Uh, and from there, yeah, there's there's links that you can find my websites and stuff like that. That's fantastic. Well, Brad, again, thank you very much uh, for talking through some of these things. And to you, our listeners, thank you for tuning in and listening to this conversation. Certainly hope it has been a blessing and an encouragement and, and more so <laughs> a bit of a kick in the pants to get involved even more so uh, in God's mission uh, where he has put you. So if you would like to continue to uh, utilize the resources that Ephesiology has, go back. Uh, first of all, rate this podcast as five stars. As way more people are listening to podcasts these days. Uh, let them know that you found some value here. Uh, go back, uh, listen to some of our back catalog, or uh, go online at Ephesiology.com. Uh, join us in the conversations that we have there on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Or uh, if there has been something that has stirred you and you want to continue to dig into more about what God is doing in his mission in this world, you can check out um, the Ephesiology Masterclasses online uh, where you can actually start moving towards a certificate or even uh, a Master of Arts graduate level degree through Ephesiology Masterclasses. Uh, So for uh, myself... For Brad, for Matt and Michael, thank you for joining us on Ephesiology today.